0: subject to eligibility requirements rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park
1: when you buy Kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact
3: Welcome to another special treat
1: slash bonus edition of One Hundred Words, the podcast. Of I don't know, someone jumped into my voice and decided to make a very weird accent. I've never done that before. I apologize, but that's why this is a bonus episode because it costs you zero dollars. Well, technically, all of these cost you zero dollars, but this one is very special in particular to me. Uh, I just broke a pen cap, and that sucks. But. We'll move on. Dave Anthony, for those of you that pay attention to the show regularly, he is a contributor. We talk about records occasionally, and he is a great guy. So I was in the same room as him maybe about a month or so ago. I was like, you deserve your own thing. I wanted to record an interview with him centered around the idea of journalism, because I think so many people find the idea of journalism very fascinating. I know myself, I did, and I do currently, because obviously that's what this podcast experiment is it's a form of journalism so i wanted to track dave's experience personally and kind of you know give you an insight as to what it takes in order to you know build a career from that perspective and then uh, you know all the different side steps you must take and all the uh, different avenues in which you learn how to express yourself. So, Dave, for those of you that don't pay attention to all the episodes and have never heard of him before, is a I think digital manager over at the avclub.com, which is one of the best pop culture hubs on the internet and uh, he does a lot of great writing, does everything he can to expose people to cool stuff of all shapes and sizes. And his writing is great. He is my friend now. Met through the podcast, and now he's my friend. And I feel feel good about that. Because that's that's kind of what this thing is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring people together and kind of make you more endeared to not only the art that they are creating, but the writing that they are doing as well. So here's my discussion with Dave, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I thought it would be interesting to obviously discuss, like we were talking about on the walk over here, where people aren't like everyone enjoys writing about music and like, or either reading it or trying to perform it themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, and, but it's such a mythical thing. Like I remember when I first started to do like freelance writing, it was just for like, you know, friend zines that, you know, had some notoriety, like whatever. Like I remember the first magazine, like status magazine. It was based out of thousand Oaks and he did like, it was, you know, whatever, whatever. 20-ish, twenty ish, twenty thousand or so circulation. But it was the only reason I got it was because he was my friend, and he was like, "Sure, you'll write some reviews." But so, but I know your your history is like you did zines yourself, and so yeah, kind of walk me through like, you know, did you ultimately be like, "I want to write about
4: music"? That's my life goal. Um, well, yeah, kind of. Okay, like it's 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 been a strange goal. It's it was never. I guess to give the full story, like when yeah. I was a kid, I was really into music. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I, was, I got, I was really young when I got into independent music. Okay. Luckily, like I kind of had just a very supportive family and support system where I would go to the record store with my mom and one of my uncles. There was this, on the south side of Chicago, there's this mm-hmm. town called Hegwish and there's a place called Hegwish Records. And we would go there and we would like walk through the store and they'd be like, all right, you can pick out one thing. And, and you know, whatever it was. So yeah. as a kid, like, I was buying, like, comedy albums and shit.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, And, and they were really, I was, like, four years old. And I was like, I want this Chris Rock CD. And they just buy it. <laughs> uh, There's really not a filter there, which sounds like negligent parenting, I guess. Right. But, like, it's not that they weren't telling me no to things. Like, uh-huh. they kind of wanted me to understand what was going on. And, like, m- my family structure was, like, my mom was really into and is still really into stuff like Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, that that kind of sure. She likes American bands. American Yeah. Americana, (laughs) Um, right, right. Which I love too. And, And and by transitive property, like I've taken her to see Years ago now, like Gaslight Anthem and like see, see Tim Barry and Chuck Reagan, like she, oh rad. I, so she she gets that, yeah. So she was into that. Like um, she really likes Against Me, but only up to the Crime EP. That's it. That's all she likes. <laughs> That's amazing. I remember like turning on to that, which is funny because my mom works for the U.S. Marshal Service and she's listening to like this anarchist folk clunk band. And when New Wave came out, she, yeah, I was in my bedroom. She's like, I heard an Against Me song on the radio, and I was like, Oh yeah, what do you think? She's like, What happened to them? Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, well, that's funny that you're the person who has this opinion, Mom. Right, exactly. Uh, but but she was into that. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side were all into old country, you know, Patsy Cline, Johnny Cash, uh-huh. you know, original Hank Williams, all that. And so I do have an appreciation for that. And then my two uncles, uh, my uncle Brian was really into like a lot of like bluesy stuff. He liked your Stevie Ray Vons and whatever. But okay. he also was into. The, the original punk stuff, like Thermones, Clash, and Social sure. Distortion, uh, you know, some rockabilly stuff. Okay. My other uncle was like into like proto-metal. Okay. Like, bu- uh, like Gong and Budgie and, oh, yeah. and like, <laughs> sure, sure. like Zappa and right. Black Sabbath. So like he was, I kind of had this entire world informing my view of like, there's a ton of stuff out here. I just need to figure out what my thing is. So, right. you know, when I was young, like they would buy me like comedy CDs or like, Simpsons soundtrack or something, but yeah. I remember like, the first record I bought that was, like... like I remember being driven to kindergarten uh-huh. and my mom was playing Green Day's Dookie. So, like, punk rock was there wow. for me already. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't really put much barriers on stuff. Like, my mom, like good songs Uh and like maybe not always an entire album but because of that you know she had weird stuff around she had some like metallica records so like i had this weird yeah you could it was easy accessible yeah it was there so like it it never felt off limits Mm -hmm. um but the first record i really vividly remember getting that oh this is not as polished was um maniacal after by the bouncing souls i saw that cover Uh because that's how i was like fucking seven yeah, yeah. You know? oh yeah it's co- cover art is so yeah. important yeah, yeah yeah so like i saw that and i was like what and like flipped it over and it's just like them looking grimy and like yeah. the song is a song about bmx i was like all right i think i might be in this <laughs> yeah 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 and i brought it home and i was like what is this mm-hmm. and, and shortly thereafter you know they, like they were really into just like allowing me to you know pick out whatever you know buying me CDs, records, hearing, sure. you know, kept supporting your house once a week. Right. And then, you know, as I started getting more interested in it, like my mom would take me to shows, you know, like happily. Would she, she like drop you off at places or she would like, actually, no, she would, she would do the stand in the back of the venue as I'm like excited about whatever. And her just like absorbing, Yeah. you know, like having to watch like blink 182 in the late nineties. Right. Right. But it all kind of changed. Like I saw Alkaline trio, like in like some record store and like, nine or two thousand that was it. like it was the first band I saw playing a floor, and you know they were like somewhat local. I was in Northwest Indiana, uh-huh. so like for for the listener, yes, uh where I'm at Northwest Indiana originally, like you could have one foot in Indiana, one foot in Chicago, right. Like, we butted up against the most southern part of Chicago, sure like you know the the Ford plant and the factories and like mm-hmm. other you know, neighborhoods, but you know, it was a more working class right. version, so I was like, oh man, like you can play in a floor. You can just make music, you can be from here, and it's whatever. Right. And uh, so I got th- that changed everything. Yeah, I was yeah. like, they're on Asian Man. So I just started mail ordering stuff from Asian Man. Right. Like mail ordering like Line Trio shirts, their other records, which there were like two at the time. Right, right. And uh, then being like, oh, like who are the Broadways? Who are like, and yeah. uh, then, you know, just kind of seeing who these bands would tour with, liner notes, that turned me on to like our music no idea records which is a whole nother world right because especially then that label was so diverse you know mm-hmm. i could buy this kind of like heavy post-hardcore quasi-emo thing from hot water music yep. and then get like a ska record or totally you know
1: and they were like, so prolific it was like you you can count on like seven records a month
4: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and like from bands all across the world yeah if nice by like Fifth Hour Hero from Canada who were fantastic. Totally. And then that's what got me into or like exposed me to way more extreme stuff. Like because, you know, they had the ties to bands like a suck. Yeah. And like, so I got into, you know, grindy shit. And that turned me on to Charles Bronson. and Sure. And you're like, (laughs) oh, that was in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, and and then I just, that's all I cared about was Uh like all I wanted to do was play music and, and got into playing music and have never been in a band. Anyone's given a shit about, which has R- been great right, right. because there's, cause I, it's helped your writing. Yeah. It's, it's helped my writing because I have, I have the experience, but like none of the baggage, right? Like I can be like, yeah, I was in a band that like played a show to three people and no one's going to be like, Oh, they weren't actually that good. Right, right. Um, but you know, that's all I wanted to do. So I was just playing in bands and I always enjoyed writing as a kid mm-hmm. and, and, like oh you you're good at it and I still don't believe that when people tell me that now yeah and I still don't personally believe it because it's I know the process sure but but the turning point came I was maybe like eleven or twelve and I remember being at a record store mm-hmm. and buying a copy of Punk Planet oh yeah and that changed everything mm-hmm. um, this is weird because I've taken in college I took a class with Dan Sinker who founded that magazine oh wow and like. We've kept in touch, and he's a really nice dude, and like a really smart, you know, really sharp. Now, really involved in the tech world and just you know different fellowships and things. But uh, Mm -hmm. that was the first time I realized truly that it was like this is more than music, like punk rock, hardcore, whatever. Yep, it's a thing that informs all of your behaviors. Sure, you know, I bought a a magazine that was called Punk Planet that had a cover story about the Iraq War, right? Where like the Iraq War was getting a six-page spread. And against me was, like, a little, you know, like, maybe inch in diameter name, Uh like, up in the header. Right. You know, like, it was, there's, there's,
1: yeah, it's like, you could have a cultural
4: discourse centered on the the way that you view the world. Absolutely. And, like, from that point, like, that was, you know, like, I was always into zines and stuff. Like, Uh you know, I was aware of MRR and. Sure. uh, Know, other, yeah, you just stuff. start to see it on the racks in your record stores, and you're kind of like, What is that? Yeah, and um, so like, I started getting a punk Plank, because for the longest time, they had that rule of like, whatever you send us, we'll review, right? So, the back half of that magazine would be 50 pages of reviews, and right. I would read every one, yeah, like before, I mean, there wasn't internet yeah. then, but I. That was how I found stuff. Like, you know, I was coming to it in the late 90s of like mail ordering stuff, concealing cash, crossing my fingers, waiting two and a half months and getting something. <laughs> right. So this exposed a whole nother world of like, oh my God, like at the time I wasn't really, you know, searching out stuff online and streaming and, and downloading. I was, you know. Right. It was the early 2000s. So I was just like reading and then being like, this band sounds amazing. And i like. Figuring out how to mail order it from, Totally, totally. You know, like finding the catalog, printing something from the internet. Like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. you know, didn't have a fucking PayPal account. Yeah, didn't yeah, have no, a job. No. Right. Like, right. I, I just had the good faith of the people around me to support me. Right. You know, and um, Hung Planet was the thing where it kind of it snapped on for mm-hmm. the first time. Of like, you can have this ideology and do something with it because right. this is connected to something bigger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I do is just straight music writing, right? And because I think you know there is an importance to it, but there's an importance to it to the end of okay, how are you trying to inform people, right? Are you just writing about the music, or are you writing about where this comes from and what it's saying and why it's important? Because right. there there is that other level, you know, like yeah, I, I struggle with this a lot because you know the publication I work for, AV Club, like. Great people, you know they, they've really fostered an environment for me to be able to write about what I want, right? For the most part, but it, it's it's hard to often be like, all right, guys, I want to like sometimes I want to write two thousand words about why I suck is important, right? But like no one's gonna read that, yeah. But I, I think that's an important thing to do, totally. So it, it's it's always hard to kind of strike the balance for me of like I want to tell people about things and and kind of struggling with working with a lot of people who aren't really into stuff. Right, because,
1: yeah, it's like you're, you're, especially with what you're doing now, where it's like you're, you're, you're toes in both worlds, where you obviously, like, yeah, you're enthusiastic about this music, but then the AV club has, like, not only a, a quote-unquote bottom line, i.e., you know, eyeballs on their page, and, like, who's actually going to share this, and who's yeah. going to be meaningful, and you're like like the, this is going to interest, you know, less than 400 people. Like, yeah, you're yeah. like you're, in the world. Right. And you're and like, so that's
4: like two of our readers. Right. Like we have kind of the standing rule that, um, you know, our head and Josh Modell has kind of set up because, you know, he was an old zine guy run, ran milk magazine out of yeah. Milwaukee. You know, he was setting up shows. He, he's been a part of it.
3: Right. And he gets he,
4: it. Right. And he's like, you know, we can't do it all the time, but like if we're passionate about something, like do it. Like if you're passionate about something, find the way to do it. Right. And and that's really nice because like, you know, we, we do everything. We do television, we do film, we do books, we right. do video games. Like we're an all encompassing pop culture publication. Right. So, you know, there's only so much space, but like there are ways for like, you know, we've set up like a staff fix thing where it's like three people just like every week are like can write about like whatever it doesn't even necessarily need to be pop culture like sure you know like here's this cool thing I did or here's something I'm really into and it's this place where you could kind of sound off and, yeah. and that's really nice because it feels like you know you're getting a peek into what actually matters to the people mm-hmm. it's not just a byline right you're actually maybe hopefully for the for the diehard readers <laughs> yeah getting getting a to a know that more person. out of it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know for sure.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment, focus on the things that obviously for one matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done? Well, what have I done? Not so well. And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help, but where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally, and I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking and visit betterhelp.com slash ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelphelp.com slash ray.
0: Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Subject to eligibility requirements, rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
5: Is AV Club like your first "quote unquote" real job,
4: so to speak? I would say it's my first real job writing, right? Okay, um, but I, I kind of glossed over it. So let's go back. Sure, this, sure. This podcast is gonna be boring. It's gonna be like this one dude <laughs> talking, giving oh, oh, us his resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, via I, the I'm internet. putting you on that spot, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, well, so like, I mean, when I was a like, yeah, I got interested in writing, and I would like right. just write for myself. Mm-hmm. Musically, I would write songs. I always wrote lyrics for whatever band I was in. Okay. Like, there was a band I played drums in, but I wrote the lyrics for. Sure. And then it got to the point where like I started singing in that band, too, just because I was always like, no, the melody should be this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had this specific idea. Right? I don't know how to sing or play drums, but listen to me. Right, right. Like that band, funny story. We had a shirt um, that was just my face <laughs> with crossed arms giving the thumbs up. It was called the Skull and Cross Dave. And we didn't put the band name on it. Right. I was the drummer in the back, like singing or just like yelling every now and again. And somehow I was like the face of the band through right. our poor planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um
1: <laughs> Perfect. that digression aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Um, but yeah, I was always interested in writing. I would write kind of just like shorts. Like even when I was a kid, like uh-huh. seven or eight years old, like I would like to play on the computer. Like sure. my mom had a computer big box thing. Yep. I think it was a gateway. <laughs> right. Right, right. <laughs> and uh all I wanted to do was just sit and write stories. Uh Like I should just pull up a word doc and I would just like go to town, write stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I was just garbage. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah, Uh, of course, as it should be when you you're in junior high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as it went on in, when I was in high school, I kind of came to this crossroads of like, all right, like I love music. I love playing music. It's something I always want to do, but I don't think I'm good enough or really have it, have the capability to be like this is going to be what it is. Yeah, like I kn- I understood how hard that life would be, and like even just the concept of writing, like I'm m- prolific and that I write a lot of songs, but I'll I'll write a lot of songs, but still like workshop one for months. Sure, you know, like people aren't going to wait. Two and a half years to get the ten songs I got. <laughs> right. You know, right, like right. it's a very niche thing, and I'm into very niche stuff. So it's right. like yeah, yeah, you're like,
1: this is this doesn't seem
4: practical. Not right. only is the ceiling here, I put a drop ceiling in. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> But um I I was realized like I like writing and I was like, this is how I can meld the two worlds. What I can do is just like approach music writing in the same way I approach music, which is not Hey, I wanna be, you know, the cool music writer. I don't wanna be the lesser bangs. I don't I'm not the story. Right. Usually. Sure. There are exceptions, sure. Right. And I think there are times when first-hand accounts really do help something. Mm-hmm. But I wanna show someone their next favorite band. Sure. You know, like I, I was thinking of it like, what was important to me at twelve years old? What was the thing that made me like what made me find out about bands what made me check out hot water music for the first time what made me right you know continue down this rabbit hole and i was like it was people writing about something with excitement it was people writing about something not just like oh this band's so cool yeah let's see
1: what big words i can put in yeah it was
4: like reading stuff there in in punk planet in, in other zines and like this is even a small thing, but like going to Reckless Records here in Chicago and they mm. have these little descriptions on it. Dude, those are, and, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. they were the best because it was always like members of such and such playing this kind of music. Like, yep. if you like this, it's going to fucking rule or it'd be like, get totally. this, get this, get this. And exactly. I'd be like, oh, I got to get You're this. Like, well, like, yeah, The store told me six that times. sticker says, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are 142 exclamation points on the sticker. Like, I need <laughs> right. to buy it. Right, right. And I was just like, Holy shit! You can be excited about this thing uh-huh. and not be, and still be informed and knowledgeable. You can meld the two worlds, right? And right. I was like, that's that's what I wanted to do. So, sure. I was like sixteen. I was like a sophomore in high school. I was like, I'm going to go to this school and study magazine journalism, and that's that. So to get out of the writing stuff and in like personal family dynamics for a minute. Like my mom and her side of the family are the most supportive, amazing people on the planet. Sure. Like my mom. You know, single mother most of that time. Uh-huh. My grandpa, you know, worked in the steel mills. You know, we're we're factory salt, wor- salt of the earth, right? Yeah, we're we're factory workers and you know, uh, people who never went to college, right? Um, <laughs> and the best, uh, sure. My dad's side, on the other hand, he owned a funeral home, okay, um, and that was the family business. Funeral okay. homes, like that's what he wanted me to go into. That was the track he was trying to put me on. He was less enthused by me like getting into punk rock. Like would like oh weird. Cool. I would never
1: imagine a funeral home father being like oh Dave. I'm really into this fact that you're like skewing this this family business we already have set up.
4: Yeah, you know, especially because like funerals and and death are very traditional, yes. so to speak, so like everyone goes through it. Yeah, uh, every, everyone gets there eventually. Right. Um like he was holding like Punk Rock Interventions as I call them, like sitting me down with like my stepmom and stepbrothers and being like we need to talk about this dead Kennedy's record you have and I'm like Wow. Like and, and so that pushed me even harder. Like oh, yeah. that's when I got it. I was like I'm going to be the crust punk. I'm going to wear all black. <laughs> Fuck this. And uh, still to this day like right. don't really have much in my color palette and still think crass is pretty cool. Um right. right. It's my detriment. Uh point of all this being when I made that decision, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go to Columbia College in Chicago, study magazine journalism. And, and at the time they had a very like forward thinking, you would take like mobile journalism, online journal, like all these things like. Different th- mediums. Sure. Yeah. This was like 2008 ish, 2007 ish. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's when that was starting to tip. Right. You totally. Know? like I studied magazine journalism and like did work and put out a magazine while I was there. Right. Um, But it was also like. How do you do a website? How do you do digital content? How do you use Twitter for a greater purpose? How do you, you know, in this idea of like, even if I don't necessarily use them, like certain apps, certain whatever, social networks, like understanding their importance. Right. Anyway, so like he was like, if you don't go to an Indiana State School for business, I'm not paying for college. Okay. And I said, no. Sure. And then immediately started working. Okay. Uh, like I worked for job ever. So Indiana selling fireworks. Okay. Nice. Uh, best, last, worst job ever. Uh, after that, like I managed a music school. I was like 16 years old. Oh, okay. Um, and then after that I worked midnights in the Pepsi bottling plant.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: While I was in school. Sure. So that was great. Yeah. <laughs> because I just like need money to go to college. So of course. My, yeah. My mom's family wasn't rich. Right. You know, they were so, like, I got to do this myself. Right? Yeah. And so like, I still have a lot of debt, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, world is what it is. So like, I started doing that, and then when I was just finished high school, was like looking for a job. I ended up working for the government for three and a half years. Oh, okay. I for the, my mom was like, "Hey, you should like look at this listing. You might be able to find something. Like they're always looking for part time people. Mm-hmm. That way, you could balance it around school. So for a good three and a half, four years, I worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office for Northern District of Illinois uh-huh. under Pat Fitzgerald, and like you know every criminal. Most civil cases uh, came across my desk in those three and a half years. Like interesting, you know, I I spent a lot of time, and it was this weird thing because I was, it was nice that like I was making a whatever wage, going to school, sure, playing in like four bands at the time, right? But like I was, you know, working a job that I was working for the man, whatever, totally, still sitting like at my desk listening to Converge and right, right. whatever, <laughs> right. The, the best day ever was uh, I had this little like docking station for my Zoom, sure. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nice reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I was like super fed up with everybody. Uh-huh. So I just played Slayer's Rain and Blood album 16 times because it's 28 minutes. So over the course of an eight-hour workday, you can fit fit it in sixteen times. Right. Play eight times in the morning, once alone you came back, play again. That's Boom. amazing. And like by the end, well, truly by the second time. Was not feeling it myself. But yeah, yeah. It was It was a point of pride. Right. You're like, <laughs> we're,
1: we're getting through this together because I'm subjecting you to this. Yeah. Right. And,
4: and like, my whole feeling is, you know, like people have given me shit. Like, oh, you work for the government. Da, da. I'm like, oh, well, whatever, man. Like, that allowed me to take time off work and like go on tour. Totally. And like go to shows and buy records and, and support the things I gave a shit about. Of so, course.
1: It, you know, it gives you a more holistic perspective on the world at large. It's like, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're getting a behind the scenes peek at a system that most people don't get to see, and therefore, like you are able to not only inform your opinion more about whatever that system is, rather than a person that's you know like never had any experience besides just like, oh yeah, man, that sucks. Like yeah, you're like well, where are you coming from?
4: Well, and, <laughs> and that's the thing is like there's some shit like I saw that broke my spirit. Sure, you know, working these cases and I can working imagine. on them, and like there's stuff. I I mean I can't. Legally discuss anything I <laughs> dealt with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if if you look at historically what happened in Illinois for mm-hmm. those years with with a certain yeah. political figure, like yeah, no more than most. Well, yeah, and she, yeah. And, and, and and that was hard because, you know, I I think at least I can I can stand behind mostly the, the branch I worked in because. It was a lot of, you know, we were we we're getting back money from people who defrauded people through, mm-hmm. you know, white collar crimes right, or were right. taking advantage of people or or doing generally fucked up shit. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah like yeah. that did make me feel kinda good. I'm not into you know, I have a very warped perception of government. Right. But like at the time I was in college, so I was I was doing a lot of, you know, straightforward journalism. Right. And I was working for a website that launched that I was briefly managing editor of and, and mm-hmm. I'm still very proud that exists because it's facilitated a lot of people to go on a great things called Popstash, which was oh, just yeah, a yeah. blog. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was really in there from the jump. Sure. Um, got to work with some amazing people. One of those people uh, I got a job at AV Club since, you know, like and I'm still like still hang out with a lot of those people. I'm sure. Very tight knit. But, you know, I was being like, oh, I need to take 30, I need to take like a 30-minute like sneak away into this office so I can call Black Dahlia from the dwarves on the phone and interview him while I sit in the U.S. attorney's office. Right. Like it was a very strange... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> place to be. Totally, you know, like I, interviewing Ted Leo from a fucking government building. Right, right. None of these people
1: know that. No, of course not.
4: It felt like this weird double life. Sure, you know.
1: Yeah, you're like I'm cheating on this to do this. Right, right, right. And,
4: and whatever. It's it's one hand will wash the other, and like sure, I acknowledge that it's weird, but whatever. It, it, it's an experience I got to have, and that's cool. But of
1: course.
4: During that, I did an internship at AV Club. Okay. When we still had local sites for AV Club Chicago. Sure. And got to do a good amount of writing for them um Mm -hmm. interview folks go to shows and then pretty much immediately after started freelancing there in a smaller capacity doing podcast stuff sure for them
1: it's always interesting watching like the you know evolution of like music journalism to where it's like you know obviously like the people that get paid the most attention to are people that like either have a distinct voice or character or whatever where it's like you know, they, they themselves become like you were talking about earlier, where it's like they become like the writer becomes more
4: important than what it is they're actually writing about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and, you know, there is totally a merit to that. Totally. You know, I mean, that's storytelling. Yeah. That's how you even arc. And I do think a lot of times it, it is important to give people all right, like, how do you actually relate to this? Like I've written several times about, you know, these bands, your, your, music, our music, Alkaline Trio's bands, I'm going to bring up a lot. Right. Like, because, you know, they, they hit me really young. Right. Had a, like, we're there for, you know, we're oftentimes the things I was listening to through some of the most traumatic parts of my life right. growing up and, um, writing about, you know, getting older with that. You know, people need to know that I got, have an Alkaline Trio tattoo I got when I was 16, 15 years old, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like done really poorly and whatever, and like writing about something meaning something to you then meaning something to you now and not being ashamed of the fact that you're carrying this thing with you on your body because it's always going to be there. Totally. It, it informed me even if I don't listen to certain records anymore. Right. You know, and uh, I, I think there's, you know, there are writers I love to read because they're great writers. Right. There are writers I love to read because they have experience. Right. Right. And then there are writers I love to read just because they're covering subject matter I talk about. It. I feel like yeah, that's true. there's so many different ways it can go. And I just hope to be an iota of one of them for anyone. That's it. And I want to, you know, keep getting better. It's never something I'm complacent in. Like I'll read stuff and, and like I will the simplest thing, I'll be mm-hmm. like, shit, I don't like where the comma sits in this sentence. Yeah, like something yeah. people aren't really thinking about. Right. I'm it's like, like it's, it's gonna be irrelevant to most people. Sometimes sure. like if it's a news thing, I'll just kind of try and, you know, bust it out pretty quick. Right. Anytime I, I pitch a long form thing, yeah, I usually do it months in advance. Sure. And then spend months like writing seven or eight drafts oh, that are imagine. all completely different.
1: Right. You're like, how is how is this how is this beast going to uh, form itself?
4: Yeah. Like I can talk about, I'll talk about this one now because I'm in in the final stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I'm working on a big thing about Weezer Uh because it was, you know, they're putting out a new record. It's the first one with Rick Up Kasich producing. Yada, yada, yada. Bullet point, talking point, and and to me, Weezer, like those first few records are are pretty infallible. Like Blue Album, Pinkerton are great. Totally. And what they did, and, and really not totally unique, but. With, with the image they were projecting and with, with kind of the... To me, it was really the first time in the song
1: mm-hmm.
4: a band that popular was kind of like winking at the audience. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like singing about going to the Green Day concert. she never heard of them. It's 1996. Everyone's after Green Day. Like, that's the wink. That's the nod. That's the joke. Sure. You know, they're, they're giving you punchlines here that people are taking a little too seriously. Right. Um, but uh, essentially, the premise I wrote is because, you know, everyone... It's like the past decade of Weezer, maybe more, hasn't been good. Right. My theory is that we can't really fault Weezer. We all should have seen this coming. Sure. Because even on those early records, Blue, like I mentioned the line from El Scorcho, he was referencing pop culture. He was referencing the biggest, most ubiquitous parts of pop culture too. Right. He wasn't singing about like, I was reading issue 34 of whatever. Like he was singing about X-Men comics and Kiss and Dungeons and Dragons in Green Day. Totally. He was going for the middle.
1: Yeah, stuff that is like immediately relatable to basically everybody.
4: Yeah. Right. And they were, you know, labeled as nerds. Obviously, that was their aesthetic. Exactly. But even on Blue Album, it's like before you even get to In the Garage, there's the song about surfing. Right. Which is like not to take away from surf culture. Right. Which, you know, can be very rich and vibrant. Right. Uh very jocular minded. Oh yeah. So like they were always kind of going for everybody. Sure. We, we can't ignore that. Right. So as the culture changed, as new things became popular, you know, because they weren't the nerds like being like, Oh, come to our side. They were peeking behind the curtain. Like, when can we come out and everyone loves us?
1: Oh, totally. As
4: pop culture changed, so did the band. The sure. Re- the, the things they were referencing, the things they were trying to achieve changed. Right. So it's not really their fault. I mean, it, it's, that's how they chose to operate. Right. But like we can't be as mad as some people are about it <laughs> because right? it was there from Right. The, the writing jump. was on the wall. Sure. Exactly. So, but that's a hard thing to express. Sure. It's a hard thing to express and, and like not come off like you like Weezer, well, you're a fucking idiot. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I want you're like I want to be respectful about the way
1: that I'm presenting things, but not not to the point of where it's like, you know, you you're you're not gonna be like pandering just because you're like, oh this, like this piece is going to, like,
4: I'm writing this specifically to bump people out. Well, th- that's the thing I always struggle with is because most websites, not all. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and, like, you know, you can count AV Club as one of them. Sometimes, you know, we really do take the piss out of something. Of course. And that's fine. That is very difficult for me to do. Yeah. Um, I, I feel more comfortable taking the piss out of something I love because, People know I love it. Right. Like I can make fun. Yeah, you like s- I feel comfortable with this because like I hold such a reverence to this. Because like I'm I'm the person in the office who like will, you know, people be like, oh, what band t shirt is that? I'm like, ah, oh, some dumb, whatever. Yeah. You know, like I don't think the stuff I like, while it's awesome and I love it and I think it's important, sometimes it's really dumb. Yeah, of course. I love Jud Judd. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. much. T- right. So much. <laughs> right. I love Adam and his package. I love Wesley right. Willis. Like these are things that I hold dear. Right. But are dumb. Of course.
1: And you could you could not reasonably explain that to a person where it's like, Oh, oh yeah, it's two guys from
4: from a grind band doing guitar sounds with their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> me genius one right. of my best friends who lives in Cincinnati hi Mark i waved at a microphone what's wrong with me uh, I uh we were a couple of years ago talking about like we should do an acapella dubstep band called Wub Wub oh. and just left Wub or right Wub perfect um but I feel like that trend's past. um yeah yeah we are lazy if nothing else but the point I'm getting at is like these are people who are like listening to you know a lot of my coworkers like listening to like Ambient experimental soundscapes, which I do like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. a lot of people think I am the punk rock kid Right. because I am. Because you are right, right. But also, like, I'm the punk rock kid who like knows all the lyrics to Wu Tang records and has seen Bruce Springsteen
0: four times. And right. like, yeah, it's like cons
4: yeah. Earth among his favorite bands.
0: Right, 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 right.
2: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. It's like, yeah, you can firmly plant your flag
1: within this particular scene because that's what you've grown up with. But, like, obviously there are... Uh, You know, many different stripes on that proverbial flag where it's just like, well, yeah, like this is
4: this is the flagpole. Yeah. But I've added a lot of different colors to this. (laughs) Absolutely, man. And like still like I rep those fucking, you know, punk and hardcore bands so hard. Like, yeah, if I had my way, like, oh, I would write about a shit like that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. You know. Um, i I wear a tenement shirt to work all the time, and my boss Josh was that he's like, who's that? And I always say I'm like the greatest rock band in America right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
4: I believe that I believe right. they them to be the greatest American rock band currently. currently existing. Sure. And I'm not afraid to make that statement because I believe it. Right. You know, but to them it's like whatever. It's a band from Appleton, Wisconsin, and plays two hundred people in the basement. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. they're the greatest rock band. And like, I could go for days. <laughs> So, like, I, I, I work both sides of the coin, and it's not with, like, trying to be cool. There, there's a lot of stuff that is cool that I don't particularly care for. Sure. And that's fine. Right. But I'm not going to shit on something unless, like... Like, to me, I feel like I can shit on something if I'm shit on myself, too. Yeah, I'm yeah, way yeah. more comfortable with that. Like, because I like stuff that some people label as childish or, or kid shit or stuff I should have grown out of, which yeah. I will never do. No. I hope never to. Right. Um, You know, I... I, I think that's dismissive. I think that's too easy. And, yep. you know, because I'm on the low end, like it, anytime, if I, if I tried to like, you know, chip at the top pillar, right. everyone, the boulders are just going to fall down. Everyone's going to shit out of me. So like, I don't mind if people talk shit about me or my work or right. what I like and what I don't like. My general thing is I know me better. I can do it better. Sure. Try me. Right. Um, And usually you lose. Right. Uh, (laughs) Because uh, like anytime a commenter shits on me on AV Club, like I upvote their comments and I'm like, that's cool. Like, I I
1: don't care. It's fine. Yeah. Well, of course, because it's like you, I mean, ultimately the, you know, the reason that you should write is obviously like to provoke a reaction and not like to provoke a reaction, like, like you were saying, to like bum
4: people out. But it's like, they, ultimately, y- you want a response. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm not afraid to say things that are, are controversial. Right. When I was at Popstash, like one of the first things I wrote was this giant thing about how, one, it was it was around the time 808's and Heartbreak came out. Okay, yeah. One, I can't stand Kanye West. Sure. Like, I don't know him personally. Right. I had friends who kind of did because of like studio stuff. Sure. And and like I never cared for his stuff that much back in the day. And I think he I he's just overblown and boring. Sure. Like I think he's he's aping what underground hip hop has always done, but about two years too late. Sure. Uh and I fucking hate autotune. Right. And when 808s and heartbreak came out, I was like yeah, I like, was like, why is everyone saying this is like this emotional like, oh the distance and fuck you, man. Yeah. Like there's so much other emotional music going on, like Listen to it. Sure, this was a, a technology developed for whaling, right? And then adapted to music. What good has ever come from whaling, <laughs> you motherfucker? Like right, not right. this either. So like, I got real yeah. uptight and like angry about it as I just did. Right. But like, and people went all over me, and I was like, I don't care. Right. I really don't care. Yeah. You're man. like, I'm putting this out here. Like right. uh, this this year, at Pitchfork Beck performed. Right. I don't care for Beck. Sure. I, I respect him as an artist. Right. But I've never cared for any of his records, and someone's like, "Oh, why don't you like Beck?" I'm like, "He's the Faberge egg of music. Right. Like that's how I feel about that dude. Like puts on a show. It's all glitter. It's all flash. But like w- when you crack into it, it's like, oh, he's just kind of like putting on clothes, right? Like putting on sounds.
1: You don't feel like there's a substance behind it. Not sure, interesting sure. to me. And, right. And right. like
4: it, I've been so loud about you know, loving loud music, Right. Uh, <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, but like, because I feel in the past five years, indie rock has gone into this like soft rock world. Oh, yeah. Like, I was never really into Bon Iver. And if I wanted that style of stuff, I would just listen to Owen. You know, sure, like somebody sure. who's doing something really similar years before and I, I think better and, and more musically inclined and like that sure. blew up. And now it's like the big thing is everyone has to, Fucking sound like it's a disco band, like Arcade Fire and shit. Sure, you no, know? there are great bands in that style. I adore The National. Right, like for every indie band I don't like, there's another one I love. Of course, so right. like th- that's the nature of this. Beast. Yeah, there's
1: a there's a balance within. But that.
4: Uh, you get what I'm saying. Like I'm not afraid to be like I don't like Radiohead. Fuck it. Like everyone, right, in my office, I think. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Most, Everybody, most humans that are breathing are like, oh yeah, I like Radiohead. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just
4: like not interested. Like right. I can give you this bullet point list, and I'm always willing to have that. People shoot on me for it. It's fine. Right. But I'm never gonna unless it's provoked. I'm never yeah. gonna be like, well, Radiohead, the world's worst fucking band. Right. Like, I'm never gonna say that's that. that's not gonna be your 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 identity. Yeah, <laughs> and, and some people are more comfortable and do those kind of things. And good on them. Like right. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm not saying they are worse. I'm saying yeah. we're all equal. We just do it in different ways. Right. And, this, uh, this is
1: just this is just an opinion that you know is is counter to most people. But it, and it, again, it's not the, the you know the sort of reactionary journalism of just like yeah, it's like you know clickbait. It's like you're not. That's not.
4: <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just it's nice because like you know we're doing this over Riot Fest weekend. I've gotten to meet a lot of people who I correspond with constantly. Yourself yeah. included. Um, Dan from Noisy is a great guy but you know in Chicago like it's nice because a lot of the people even if they're at like weeklies you mm-hmm. know but do online sites like The Reader like Lior from The Reader is a great dude he's at every show he's so knowledgeable Yeah, like a lot of these people are on the ground going to shows finding stuff you know, they doing the work. Yeah. They may yeah. be writing about these big sweeping bands and giving them features, but that doesn't mean they're not in the basement that same night. Yeah. You know? And and I think I never try and be like, I'm from the A.V. Club because who cares, man? Right. Like, right. I'm right. A dude. You're who, like, I'm just an out. This is just an outlet. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah the, you know, I am. I'm who I am. And I hope that I add something to the publication. I hope that I add something when I'm on this podcast and I hope I don't. You know, make people feel bad for liking things. You know, right? It, like you could look to your right, and then this like smattering of living room records, I have, yeah, which are like the ones I feel are more appropriate for people to just kind of put on. <laughs> right? There's like TLC and Taylor Swift and, and, and right. Cindy Lauper. Right. You know, Cindy's Cindy Lauper's first record, I think, is one of the most underrated pop records of the '80s. Right. You know? Right. Right. What other fucking punk rocker is going to say that to you?
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately, it's like that's what. Uh, to me that was what was always exciting about like writing and obviously uncovering layers of music is because ultimately when you do, I feel a lot of people get in their lanes, so to speak, and then they become so myopic where they're either, I wouldn't even say they themselves are like afraid to listen to other things, but it's like, obviously the devotion that we both have given to music, like that takes effort. Yeah. We, we continually either I mean, it sounds stupid to say where it's like, you know, push ourselves to listen to new music or whatever, but it's like, it does like, you know, the sort of correspondence I get from people that listen to this podcast where they're like, dude, this is great because like, you know, I've got whatever it's like, I have five kids or like I'm working an overnight job and like, I'm doing all these things that are barriers for me to get into stuff or like understand things. Um, And so it's like this, this. This concept of being able to put the effort in and it's like not everybody has the ability to do that so it's like that's why writing and different formats for people to consume like is ultimately important.
4: Yeah and I like to think you know I'm not saying I'm important but I'm saying it is important a lot of people and a lot of artists even shit on music press and I absolutely get it. Totally. You know like a lot of interviews they have to do are press junk and a lot of times like admittedly it's like People are just are places are writing about things because they they need to it's the content based. they need they yeah, need yeah, yeah. it yeah yeah and I get that so I understand why there is this kind of you know why it is a little derided and and why people will shit on it but totally. I I do believe anyone who's decided like I'm gonna write about music for a living I'm gonna make thirty thousand dollars a year at best yeah and, and if I'm freelancing just hope to God I can make rent every month totally they aren't doing it because they think they know better. Right. But they're doing it because like they care about this thing and they right. care about whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. You know, and I'd like to think that somehow I fit in that void and I, I, I like being challenged when I was at pop stash. I was routinely get like, they knew what I liked, but they didn't want me to just be the punk guy. And I, that was really good for me. Of Like course. learning how to write about other stuff, learning how to write about a mountains record, which is just, you know, ambient glitchy yeah. electronics, which is great. Right. Like, right it's right. awesome. Um But yeah, oh. but it, it goes back to like, what I was saying, like where I
1: diverted myself where it's like, yeah, people feel like they have to like stay in their lanes. And yeah. it's like when they don't um, when they don't challenge themselves. Like of course there's the stuff that's always like, you know, comfort food or nostalgic, whatever. Absolutely. But when you do when you do start to open yourselves up to different things and start to experiment with that, like you'd be surprised. And like, yeah, as like you're saying, as a critic where it's like, when you write about stuff that is so just, just out of your realm, you do understand. You're like, well, at least I understand that more. Yeah. I get where that either music scene or that person is like coming from, whether or not I agree or agree yeah. or will, it'll have a lasting impact on me. That doesn't matter. It just, I have a, a a more broader perspective on it.
4: Yeah. Well, and like, that's my thing is a lot of times they will be like, Oh, every uh, you know, music writer is just a failed musician. And like I am proof in that pudding, but I right. don't think that discredits me. It's not like I'm bitter. No. Like I I would just say that adds to my experience. Like I'm still in a band. Right. Like, I am still practicing once or twice a week. Yeah, yeah. Like with these songs I wrote with some of my best friends. And like I'm really proud of what we have and I'm right. really proud about of what we're about to record and put out. I don't expect anyone to give a shit. Right. Like I do not expect a single person in the world to to care, right? I'm doing it for me. I'm writing for me. Yeah. I just happen to have a better outlet. Of course, it's like if somehow I ran a record label and then started a band, I could just put out the record, right? You know, I'm not gonna write about my own band, and right. I'm not gonna like pitch it to other people to be like, "Hey, you should write about my band that put out a cassette tape," right? You know, um, maybe, maybe I'll find a way to cover you on AV Club, right? yeah. Because <laughs> that's the worst thing too. Is like I, I fucking hate. That kind of thing where yeah. like, I hate the checks and balances system. Like mm-hmm. if someone asks me to do something and I like it, I'll do it. Right. I can't always say yes, though. No, and that's hard. There's only so much space. There's only so much time. Right. It's, it's a difficult thing. But yeah, you know, like I never want anyone to feel like they owe me anything. Like I'm going to we're going to put out this thing. We're going to do a record. <laughs> right. And like I'm going to shoot it to friends. If someone does want to put it out. Cool. Right. If not. Also fine. Yeah, that's like, fine. Like we'll do right. it ourselves. We'll figure it out because like we believe in what we're doing. Right. But I I don't think that this credits me, and I I, I think you know a lot of people do want to take the shit out of music writers, and that's fine. Like yeah, yeah, we yeah. do it ourselves pretty well too. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I, I I do think it's important, and I just do think it's important to do it with people who like or or, or you know it, it's nice when people are on the level.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And I hope more and more that people understand. You know, we aren't all knowing. We aren't. My opinion is not, you know, law. Right. I wrote about it as I th- feel, and even if I gave it a negative review, I still want you to check it out. Totally. Like, I, I'm not writing like this is the worst piece of garbage. It's like, oh, this part was really cool. I wish they would have explored that more. Or, sure, sure. Or if it's something great, like I'm gonna be like, this is important. Of course. Listen to this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And like
1: you're like it should be stuff like that is is a starting point. That should be like the entry point to where you can take it like mm-hmm. that's that should you know you're you're setting the
4: table you'll you'll figure out from here yeah <laughs> for sure and then i hope that's what people do and <laughs> yeah yeah i here's hoping people have listened to this whole thing and are like, <laughs> like this guy's an asshole and boring <laughs> oh. no 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 because i just think i yeah
1: like i said i just think it's such a um you know journalism in general is such a you know, interesting beasts, And then obviously music journalism is, is, you know, a a, a side tangent to the journalism world in general. And I, like you said, it's like, I do think a lot of it gets so um, either mucked up or discredited because it is, it's like, you, you know, you really worry that the people that get into it and then they immediately run into any sort of walls like
4: they do become yeah. that
1: bitter person.
4: One, it's the thing is, it's a fluid industry covering another fluid industry. It's true. Both are changing so drastically at this time and yeah, yeah, have yeah. been over the past five to ten years and will continue to that the manner in which journalism operates. Yeah. The manner in which content is disseminated. Sure. is going to change. Yep. It's going to continue to change forever. Right. The what's hot in music, how music's getting out there, how people consume it, you know, what's popular, what venues exist, what infrastructure exists right. has been changing and will continue to change. Right. So it's just this weird cross section where for a long time, you know, both were pretty stable. Yeah. You know, they had infrastructure. There were big labels, there were big newspapers. Right. That was really the games in town. Sure. You knew and where to plug things into. Right. Now, you know, I'm very happy about it. Like, I got into journalism at a time where I felt it was the most exciting. Mm -hmm. I was not really excited by a lot of what was happening necessarily in major journalism outlets, like covering news and and topics. And I wasn't super excited by a lot of what was happening in the music journalism world. Right. And I I wouldn't say, you know, oh, I get it. But it was just like, now is the time I can insert myself. Now is the time I can insert my voice and, and maybe find a way to make it what i think it could be and should be and uh i feel
1: very lucky about that at the end of the day no for sure it's so it's exciting well thank you for sharing your uh your not only your background but obviously laying the landscape of 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 journalism and music music criticism in general it's it's something that i think yeah like i said it it, not a lot of people discuss in you know
4: podcast form well thanks for having (laughs) me man it's been a pleasure (laughs) no problem dude
1: so that was the discussion with Dave. I hope you have enjoyed this bonus piece of content for you to shove in your ear holes. And uh, yeah, thanks to Dave for for chopping it up with me. And I hope that you, uh, you, know, you now maybe have a better idea of how the uh, journalistic landscape works. So until uh, probably a few days now, I won't even say until next week, be safe, everybody. No need, just be safe, okay? Until a few days from now, when you'll hear from me again, <laughs> bye.